Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. And now, here are our hosts, James Foxall and Wes McDonald. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I'm your host with the most, Wes McDonald. And my guest today, I'm excited to say, is Heather Monahan. She is a TEDx speaker. Uh, she is a published author. She is a confidence expert and uh, someone that I've actually shared a little bit of uh, room with uh, in a book uh, by Scott McGregor called Standing O. So, Heather, really excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, we're going to be talking about public speaking, uh, confidence, you know, making sure that when people are out there presenting themselves that they're uh, putting their best foot forward uh, to help their businesses be stronger, uh, vision of themselves be stronger. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I always like to let my guests introduce themselves. Uh, so if you could, Heather, uh, just you know, let our guests know uh, what you're all about. And uh, also, if you could, just share one thing that people may not know about you. Sure. So I was a former C-suite executive in corporate America for the past 20 years. I was in the media business. And when the CEO I worked for for 14 years became ill, he elevated his daughter to replace him and she fired me immediately. I had never been fired. In fact, I had just won one of the most, an award for one of the most impactful women in radio or something, <laughs> something to that effect. I had just been named that a couple of weeks prior to getting fired. So I was really scared and I took that moment to decide, hey, maybe there's something other than going back to corporate America. And I'd like to add that I had signed a non-compete, non-solicit for one year. So when I became a chief revenue officer, I had signed away my ability to go to a competitor to stay in that industry. So oh, if boy. I was going to go back to corporate America, I was going to have to leave the industry that I had my experience and my expertise in and parlay it into another industry. So that was also led to my decision. Ultimately, I decided to go to work for myself and just give it a shot. That was two years ago. And over the last two years, I wrote and self-published my first book, Confidence Creator, which trumped Trump for number one on business biography list on <laughs> Amazon. Awesome. Yeah, I wow. have that screenshot. I'm super proud of that one. Well, that's, that's an incredible story, and I've always been amazed by that. You know, that, that personal triumph over uh, something so unexpected when you're at the, what you think is the top of your career, and to be fired for reasons other than, uh, you know, performance, you know, et cetera, that when it's that personal, I mean, that's just, uh, wow, that's something I certainly didn't know. And, it, and something people don't know about me, so as you know, I do uh, quite a bit of speaking myself, not, not generally paid engagement, sometimes, uh, but typically more specific to the managed IT and managed print services world. I was a stage actor for a number of years after uh, university, uh, started in plays such as uh, Streetcar Named Desire, uh, real estate, and, and other things, and that's kind of got me over the hump of you know, not being afraid of being in front of uh, tons of people, right? One of the things, you're obviously you know, pretty sought after as a keynote speaker, and uh, obviously in your TEDx talks, it's quite an interesting one. I recommend that everyone actually take some time to watch that. You're no stranger to speaking in public, so what, what was that small voice inside you that actually got it started, that lit the fire? 
Well, I had been speaking in corporate America for 20 years. So I knew that audiences responded very well to me. And I, you know, just over that trajectory of those two decades, I had seen from when I used to run small local sales meetings to ultimately when I was still in corporate America, I was headlining at the National Association of Broadcasters in front of thousands of people. I had seen my growth and noticed it. But again, I didn't know that people paid for that because it was assumed that you did things like that as part of your job. It was just part of the umbrella of the roles that I was in. So it wasn't until I was out on my own as an entrepreneur, as an author, and I was trying to accelerate my revenues via my book sales that I learned the best way to sell books was through speaking engagements. And I didn't have a blueprint. You know, I had Googled and searched for a blueprint on how do you launch a speaking business, but there really isn't anything out there. I decided, okay, I'm just going to start with calling the people I know to establish, you know, speaking engagements through my network. And that worked great, but I was fishing in the wrong pool. So Mm. There's different pools of businesses out there and the media business primarily does not pay for speakers because people within the industry do it for free. So why would they pay if they can get people for free? So I was in the wrong pool. I didn't know that. And just by luck, I had contacted a university because I had a contact there. I believe it was University of Miami Business School and they had a budget for speakers. So they asked, you know, what is your fee? That opened my eyes to this idea that, wait a minute, I can get paid to do something that I already know how to do which was really eye-opening for me. And then as I researched the business, I found out that there's a number of speaker bureaus out there. There's premier speaker bureaus, there's speaker agents. These are the people that have the list of the paying companies that hire. They know the schedule, they know how much they pay, they know how much they have budget. These were the people that I needed to access if I really wanted to leapfrog what I was doing because I was in the dark really just kind of fishing around to see if I could find you know the right business out of millions of businesses out there which was not efficient. So now that I knew I needed to get uh, within the speaker bureau and to a speaker agent, that's when I started, you know, trying to showcase that unique value proposition. Why me, you know, researching these companies and finding out why I would add value to them and then getting to the ultimate decision makers to pitch myself. Yeah. So it sounds, you know, really important for our listeners to understand that, you know, you kind of developed and groomed what you're good at uh, through the industry and then through the school of hard knocks, I had to figure out how to actually fine tune that and move into a space where you could get paid uh, to do what you're very good at, right? Most of our listeners um, are probably like you in the early days in the sense that they understand that uh, public speaking and being in front of people and getting a message across confidently is very important. But I guess the, the question that I would ask maybe, why should they do it in the first place? Because there are going to be those listeners that say, yeah, you know, I get it. I should probably get up in front of people and speak. But, but why? As a business owner, um, as somebody that's a senior executive, why should I get better at this? Well, you know, I'm a firm believer and I never thought about it as a skill. But now that I look back on my career, the reason, one of the reasons why I continuously was elevated and promoted is because I had that ability and that power. A lot of people shrink away from it, right? So Again, my job was not speaker back then. I was sales manager, sales leader, VP of sales, whatever it was. But no one ever said speaking was a part of it. I don't care what your job is. If you want to be heard, you're going to need to raise your hand in a meeting and you're going to have to speak up. And oftentimes that could mean standing up 
within a meeting of 10 or 20 people and speaking and sharing your ideas. And that is a speaker. So sometimes, you know, you could be in a parent teacher association meeting and you're frustrated by the decisions that they're making. You're going to need to raise your hand and stand up. And when you do that, if you have set yourself up, with some practice and you know tips and tactics, you're going to be more successful and more powerful and more heard, better to convey your message and relate your message. But if you're not feeling confident in that situation, you're either one, not gonna do it, you're not gonna raise your hand and share your ideas, share your message, and you're gonna leave frustrated and upset, or two, you're gonna do it and do it in, in a subpar manner where you don't convey your message or you don't connect with the audience or you know, you're so nervous that you feel you don't do yourself a service. So I, I feel like everyone's in the speaking business. It's sort of the same way I feel everyone's in sales. We're all trying to sell our ideas through. We're all trying to convey messages and, and connect to people and have our ideas heard. So it, it really isn't about wanting to be in, in sales or wanting to be in the speaking business. We just all happen to be. It's about embracing it and, you know, improving where you are from your current baseline. Yeah, I really like what you say about, you know, if it's a parent-teacher uh, organization uh, or for a regular business owner, if it's being in front of a, a strategic customer, you know, a, a larger customer that they're used to dealing with, or even in the boardroom, uh, trying to get some ideas across and trying to get some, uh, some ownership from uh, everyone else that's in the room, right? So that these skills that you have, these skills that, that you bring to the world um, aren't just good, uh, you know, to make a living with, although that's pretty awesome but that they can be used in every aspect of a person's business life. Absolutely. Let's talk now about how that gets done, right? So it's one thing to say, get up and be confident on stage. One of the things that I actually do, or a habit that I do, which is I put my forehead up against the wall and I breathe deeply three times and I imagine the audience out there laughing and smiling. And that always gets me in the right you know, energy to be on stage. I started with that in the, in the theater business, right? You know, certainly when we're talking about business owners, we're talking about executives or salespeople, anybody, what are some of the hows? Like, what are some of the things that you can share with our audience about, okay, you know that you want to become a better speaker, you know that you want to, you know, be able to, to deepen your skill sets. Let's talk about some of the key elements of how they get better at this. Well, the first thing that I would recommend to anybody is start small, right? Because it seems overwhelming if you say, okay, you know, you want to find the next big speaking engagement and get up there and put it all out there. No, I wouldn't recommend that. I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, take baby steps first. So if it is, okay, I'm going to challenge myself once a day to within the next meeting, raising my hand and making a contribution while seated. And then maybe after a week of that, it's, I'm going to stand when I speak. You know, I'm going to wear my power color to this meeting so that I feel a little bit stronger and put a little more effort into what I'm going to say ahead of time and practice and prepare. You know, it, it's an advancement and you evolve over time. You're not expected to show up and, and be Tony Robbins on day one, right? So I think take those little steps at first and just and show yourself what you're capable of and you're going to have to challenge yourself and hold yourself accountable. So write down each morning, you know, I'm going to take on one situation that makes me feel uncomfortable because the more you step into that uncomfortable feeling, that fear feeling, you're going to see, hey, I lived through it. It wasn't the end of the world. I learned something by this. I'm growing. I'm getting better. And to me, that's the key to everything. So that's really how you know, a way for anyone to start at this. And then as you feel more and more comfortable and, and you're not nervous anymore and, and you're feeling like, okay, it's my new norm that I contribute in every meeting and that I speak up and stand up and that I'm well poised and I have my shoulders back and 
you know, I leave notes on the bottom of my shoes if I'm feeling nervous. I write, I can and I will. And right before I go into the meeting, I, I remember, okay, yeah, I can and will do this. And this is happening right now. And like you, I have different things that I do. I loved yours. But for me, I have a playlist that I listen to every single time I'm about to do something big. And it's like Pavlov's dog, right? The dog that when you ring the bell, he knows the food's coming. So he starts to salivate. For me, I, and that's a psychological experiment that is very well documented and proven. So for me, I, what I do is I play this playlist and immediately I know that I'm about to kill it. I mean, there's no, nothing can get in my way. I can't see sort of like with you seeing the audience laughing, you know, now it's going to go great. For me, that's my repetition. This playlist lets me know I am going to kill this. And because I've done it so many times and I don't do it, I've never not gone to a speech and not done it. It doesn't matter where, what city I'm in or where I'm, whatever's happening, I do it. Each time I walk in there with that really confident feeling, which helps you to do better. And I actually, I did it for my TEDx talk. I did a TEDx talk at the end of October. It was so chaotic backstage. There were so many speakers, most of which are not professional speakers. So they don't usually speak. They were freaking out. People were doing push-ups. People were crying. It was complete chaos, (laughs) unlike what you could ever imagine. And I was the first speaker and I had bombed that morning. I wasn't prepared in the morning. I didn't know they were going to have me do a dry rehearsal. So I hadn't listened to my playlist. I wasn't dressed. I was in sweatpants with eye masks on and my hair wet. (laughs) You know, I wasn't in my, for me, getting into my power clothes, my power look, it all teased me up to know I'm about to go crush something. And so whatever your habits are and routines are will really prep you to Mm -hmm. get you to, you know, to take off. And so for me, I didn't have those things going for me. I wasn't prepared. Yes, I was prepared for my speech, but in that moment, I wasn't prepared. And they said to me, hey, Heather, jump up on stage. And this was just supposed to be our check-in that everyone was like, you know, saying hello, and we'll be back in a couple hours. And I said, sure. And they said, okay, we want you to give your talk right now. And I thought, well, that's annoying. I'm not really ready to do it, but oh, you know, okay, it's not my show. So I'm in my sweatpants. I'm not ready. And all of a sudden, everyone's looking at me on stage and I'm not in my gear and I didn't listen to my music. And I bombed. I completely bombed. And he said, all right, that's good enough. I just needed sound quality. You can get off. But to me, it took my head out of the game and I really started panicking and I left and I had tears in my eyes. And then I left to go get ready, put my, you know, outfit that I felt strong in, get my hair done, get really into my space, listen to my music, look at the notes on my shoes and get ready to crush it. And then when I got back, everyone was going crazy, crying, you know, doing these weird (laughs) things. And there was all kinds of problems. The mic broke. And so all this happening, I grabbed a bottle of lavender and I sniffed it because that calms me down and centers me. And they called my name to walk out and I was not ready. And in my mind, I just said this. I'll never forget. I closed my eyes and I said, if you don't walk out there right now, you are never going to forgive yourself. And if you go out there and bomb, I am going to be so proud of you for walking out there. And I walked out and I don't even really remember the first couple of minutes because I was that nervous and I speak all the time, but it was so different. And I'll tell you, they say that you either own the talk or the talk owns you. I'm proud to say I own that talk. However, it certainly wasn't looking like it, even in the moment (laughs) when I walked out there. So I guess my point is this listen, you might be scared walking into something. Well, so am I, you know, and here's the thing. We're not growing if we're not walking into situations where we are scared. And I'm 
right here telling you I am cheering me on and so proud of me that I had the courage and the confidence to do that, not knowing if I was going to bomb again, makes me so much more proud that I did it. And if I had quote unquote failed and not given a great talk, I still would have been so proud of me from going through (laughs) with it. And I would have gotten right back up again and applied for another one to crush the next one, right? So don't take that pressure off yourself. Not every speech will be perfect. And, you know, sometimes we have to be willing to extend ourselves beyond what we think possible. Two weeks ago, I was hired to speak at an international finance conference as the headline speaker. And I thought, why in the world do they want someone who has an expertise in the U.S. only, someone who has an expertise in sales, and someone who has an expertise in just this country, in business? This doesn't make sense to me. And I'm female. The audience was 90% male. I started getting in my head, and then I had to calm myself down and say, hey, how can I relate to the audience? What thread can I pull from me to them? And I remembered... My ex-husband was in their business, you know, we're going back 11 years ago. So I decided to open with that line so that they could see, hey, she does know our business a little bit, albeit I never was in it, but I can see and appreciate the hard work that these people put in and the challenges that they're faced with. And when you open either with a story or with a point of connection, you've got the audience suddenly on your side. Yeah, there's a few very powerful things there that you mentioned. Um, and one for all our listeners is that no matter how good at this you get, and I mean, you do this for a living, you still can get the jitters, right? That there are, there are still those moments, uh, those times, those un- unforeseen circumstances where, you know, it can throw you off your game. The second part of that, which I really love, is that you're more proud of yourself knowing that you've done it, even if you're going to bomb, because you did it, right? That you got through the fear that you actually got up there and moved through it. The third thing there, too, is about that connection with your audience that, you know, everyone listening should understand um, that when you're speaking to people, I think that they also want to be heard. When there's that, that connection, something that you can thread together with them, that they'll be much better listeners, right? Absolutely. You have a certain uh, expectation of excellence uh, in your own performance, in your own uh, work on uh, stage when you're in front of an audience. One of the best directors that I ever had said, you know, you're going to screw up on stage. You're actually going to forget your lines. You're going to have a monologue coming up or a response to another actor. And it's, it's not going to be there. You're going to be standing there on stage with, you know, 350 to a thousand people in front of you. And you're not going to have that. And so what you're going to do is you're going to improvise. You're going to, and as horrible as you're going to feel in that moment, the audience will never know. Well, I see the the real challenge is getting them to pay attention because here's the thing. They're, they're on their phone. They're getting a text message. They're scrolling through. They need to be at whatever event you're speaking at or whatever meeting you're speaking at. It's not necessarily they want to be there. You know, they're thinking about what they're eating for dinner that night. So to me, part of the whole challenge as someone who's getting up to address a group is to get their attention, to get them to want to listen, because most people aren't even noticing that we're talking. You know, one other thing that you mentioned there, like to get their attention, to get them noticing that we're talking, is the element of storytelling. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about your own experience, about how you use storytelling to draw the audience in and get your message across. Yeah, I, I use storytelling and I didn't know that's what it was. I Again, my background, my whole life is in sales. So storytelling is a way of sales or a technique that I found or created for myself in sales when I could give people relatable stories of success with my products and challenges that their business were in and how my product could solve problems for them they were more willing to buy from me. So I just learned through trial and error as a young salesperson 
that that was a really good strategy for me. And I've taken that with me throughout my career. As I leaned more into professional speaking, I realized that opening with a really powerful story that could captivate people and get their attention quickly that was my move. I had that one minute, you know, they listen to your bio, you're walking up there, they've already listened to 10 people that day. It's time for, you know, cocktail hour. They don't want to be sitting there anymore. You know it, they know it. So I learned to either, depending on the situation, the environment, I'll either tell a joke, you know, whether it be, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky to be the last speaker before cocktail hour. You guys are psyched to listen to me. You know, (laughs) something that will make them laugh and, you know, relevant to the moment that we're in. Or or I'll begin with, you know, if it's not that kind of a situation, if I'm, you know, maybe I'm a speaker in the afternoon or whatever, I'll start with a, a question. And I did this in my TEDx talk too, is, you know, how many of you have blah, 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 something that I know I'm, and I'm looking for a show of hands. I want people to respond because the more we can engage with the audience and let them know, I'm going to be calling upon you. I want to hear your input. You know, have you ever been up against this challenge? Uh, you know, if I was speaking somewhere right now, there's no speaking engagements going on right now because of the coronavirus. But one of the things that I would say is that if I was speaking somewhere today, I would say, how many of you have ever faced massive adversity in business before? I want to see a show of hands because for me, I have on two very different occasions and, and I would get into those examples to relate to the audience so that they would understand that while these times we're living in right now are very challenging and difficult, it's not the only time, you know, there's other times we faced adversity and we found ways to bounce back from it. And this is not going to be any different. And that's what, you know, that's the message on a high level that I want to communicate throughout. So all of those things involve story. And actually in writing my first book, Confidence Creator, each chapter, I use that same strategy. Each chapter starts with a personal story Mm. that leads to a tactic or strategy that the listener can use in their own life. Yeah, I think there's two really cool things there that you bring up. One, obviously, by asking questions of the audience and getting that show of hands, that you're drawing them into the conversation. They're now part of it, right? Like once you raise your hand, you're actually part of this thing. You're not just a listener. You've, you've kind of become an active participant, right? And the second thing is, um, you know, when you talk about your book and starting off the chapters with personal examples, that you're bringing in this level of humanity and this level of honesty, right? Just recently, I got to see uh, Arlene Dickinson from uh, Dragon's Den. I- I'd never se- seen her speak before. I'd only ever seen her on the television program. But when I saw her speaking, she did the same thing. She shared a lot of personal stories. Some of it was so personal that I was surprised that she was actually sharing it. Although you're a, you know, a speaker that you're um, you know, delivering things with a confidence that some people would find astounding, that you are still a human being, right? I find that so profound. Let's say that you're in a, in a boardroom situation. You're not necessarily speaking in front of a large audience. Does storytelling and that personal connection still work? I mean, it's really up to you. I assess my environment. I assess the people I'm with. In some situations, yes. However, in the company that I used to work for, if there was a certain person that always scrutinized me, if that person was going to be there, I would not lead with a personal story. Instead, I'd I'd lead with a relatable topic, an engagement topic, because I knew that she would be angry, you know, or critique me on that. And I had learned from trial and error that I knew I was going to get negative feedback. So I decided, okay, I'm going to pivot and keep this more focused on my audience. So I would say, okay, 
how many of us right now are struggling with the new policy around blah, blah, blah. Let me see a show of hands. So th those are pretty much my two. I pivot between, and it's just very quickly knowing your audience. That's the most important thing, knowing what you're walking into. Just like when I walked into that international finance meeting, I sat for hours before I prepared my talk to say, how can I connect to these people? You know, I thought really long and hard about it. I went through my history, my, my talents, my expertise, and I, was, I couldn't find the thread until I finally found the thread. You'll always find something. And if you don't, or it's not the right you know, place to be telling a personal story, then you pivot to, for me, I ask a question around a connection point where we can all, everyone's gonna start shaking their head, yep, yeah, me too. You know, and then, okay, we're all in this together. And then I, I start my talk. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, I can share like right now, as you mentioned, you know, sort of the whole COVID nightmare slash reality, whatever this is we're going through right now, that in the office equipment channel, um, most of the providers are, you know, they make their business selling cost per page, right? And that means that every time a person prints a page, they get a, you know, a certain amount of money for that page that's been printed. And of course, with the current reality of people, you know, more and more people working from home, working remotely, that a lot of these pages are, you know, disappearing, right? So that, that is something that if I was speaking to them on that topic would certainly be that common thread. But I love how you say you some sometimes have to dig for that, right? You've got to experiment and move around and try and figure out what that common thread is. So sometimes a personal story, if it's the right audience, uh, sometimes a thread that is affecting everyone in the audience that you have some experience with. For my TEDx, I had uh, prepared, I prepared more for my TEDx than I have any other speech in my entire life because it's a one and done, right? It oh, lives sure. forever on, um, on YouTube and then the TED site. So I had reached out to a few people and I don't think there's anything wrong with this. If you feel nervous about a speech or if you're not sure you're taking the right approach, test it on other people, right? So I reached out to a couple people in my life and tested the speech on them. And every single one of the four people I reached out to said the same thing. I think it's really good. The beginning's not great though. And so once I heard four people that I valued their opinion give me that same feedback, I didn't ditch my beginning, but I thought I can do better. And I just kept thinking about it for a month and challenging myself, what other way could I lead? How could I get their attention? How could I connect with the audience? How could I open yet still be relevant to what I'm speaking to? And finally, through brainstorming and talking to people, it came to me, but it took a while. It, it, de it definitely, that speech, the, the main part of the speech was the same, but that intro was entirely different literally one week before I gave the speech. And it was so much better than what I had initially come up with, but none, I wouldn't, I would never come up with it. It would have never unfolded the way it did if I didn't bounce it off other people, test it, revisit it, change it, change it back. You know, there, it was definitely a process. And, and I think that that's how you get better. Yeah. I really like that. That way you're, you know, what you're saying really is that there's a certain amount of uh, peer review and preparation and testing that should take place before you go, you know, live on stage, right? And, and I'll take that as well, because I probably personally don't do that enough. I do that with my blogs, you know, certainly, I send it to three or four people before I actually put them out in the world. Even I personally never really thought of the value and the importance of that, you know, for speaking as well, right? Well, one of the things that I've learned professionally is whenever I leave a speech, number one, I ask for feedback, right? We want a review and recommendation of our work because we live in a review and recommendation society, and that is what will sell your product or service moving forward. So I'm constantly compiling that feedback, showcasing it on my website, on social media, updating it you know, everywhere so that people can see it because I want them to know what they're getting. I add it into my piece that I send out to people when they request, hey, can you send me information on your speaking? 
my reviews and recommendations are in there. But what I also do with that feedback is I'll highlight, you know, there's in any speech that I give there, I will always hear one theme or a couple of different themes. And I write those down because I try to change. I don't like to have just one static speech. Some people do, and I'm not knocking it, but for me, I like to really pivot it and tailor it a little bit more and, and change it based on what's happening in relevant times. Of course, I will now include coronavirus and in everything I speak about, you know, foreseeable future, because that's a huge part of our life right now. So I like to, right. So I, I wouldn't give the same speech I gave a month ago, you know, next month or, or this year. So to me, I'm always trying to alter, improve, and, and evolve it, but I'm also trying to find those anchors that really resonate with people, that people leave saying, oh my gosh, this is so good. And when you do that, your speech gets better and better and better because you find more anchors to showcase throughout your speech, knowing now I know when I go in, this, this, and this are going to crush. People are going to leave saying, oh my God, I love those three points. I really connected around that question that you asked us. But I, I didn't know that when I started speaking. I, you know, Some people will say, like, you need to know what your message is and you need to know what your story is. That's not true. You need to get up and speak and start figuring it out along the way. Because if I had been waiting to know what it was, I wouldn't be speaking right now. I got up and had the confidence to test it and evolve it and improve it and ask for feedback from my audiences so that I could nail down what they loved so that I, and sometimes it's things that I told the story about my sister in my last two speeches. And it was the number one thing people spoke about after the speech. I always try to stay around after the speech and speak to the audience, not just the person who hired me, but to the attendees to mingle, shake hands and ask, what did you think? I, I hope that it was valuable to you. Were there any takeaways that were meaningful? Because then it can, I can make sure I incorporate those pieces moving forward, which will make my speech even better. Now let, let's move into a you know a bit away from uh, you and sort of what you're doing and you know just talk for a second. I don't know if you have a story about maybe somebody that you've seen in your life and your experience who wasn't necessarily the the greatest public speaker or somebody that could get up in front of people. Do you have a story about someone in your life where you've seen them actually really blossom through this? What I have seen is back in corporate America, um, my old team that I was on for 14 years is I had a number of employees that wanted to elevate themselves, wanted to get to the next level, wanted to get promoted, wanted to showcase their talents and watching them take small steps, you know, first getting a professional picture on LinkedIn, then showcasing their reviews and recommendations of their work on their social media, you know, sharing their wins at work with the team, getting more vocal and celebrating their success, their value, their unique value proposition, and beginning to watch them speak up in meetings and warrant the seat that they were holding in meetings and ultimately getting up to present at meetings and then inevitably growing to working with different marketplaces and traveling to take their presentation to other markets, to other vendors, to other clients. And, and I've seen so many talented young people make that evolution over a few years time. And I mean, it, it's happened probably, I would say there's probably a hundred people that I've worked with back in corporate America that I saw go down that same path take those same chances, invest in themselves, and take the action steps necessary to really elevate themselves. And I think 
you know, that's the important thing is that for people in corporate America, if they're salespeople, if they're executives and anything else, when they see you speak, when they see what you're doing, that they want to emulate that in their own lives for the particular sphere that they're in, right? That this improvement of how you communicate and that confidence, you know, is available to anybody, no matter what you're doing in the business world, right? Absolutely. So let's just think about that for a second now that we're, you know, sort of talking about corporate America and in our particular case, the IT industry and the managed, managed print world and the office equipment world. If you just had one piece of advice to give to people that, you know, have listened to this and said, okay, I want to do a better job of uh, speaking and strengthening my message of storytelling, of bringing those common threads together for people, what would that be? Well, number one, my podcast, Creating Confidence with Heather Monaghan, I did a whole episode that's an hour and 20 minutes long on this with one of the top US speakers, Kendra Hall. Her niche is storytelling. She is a professional speaker. She's been a professional speaker for five years. So she's much further ahead than me, a lot more experience. That episode is Creating Confidence with Heather Monaghan and Kendra Hall. And she really details what it takes to tell a great story. So I would definitely recommend that for anybody. But outside of that, I would say, again, start small, start raising your hand and practice at home. I can't tell you how many times I had my son sit down at the dinner table while I got up and spoke. And then after I felt more comfortable doing that in front of him, I had him videotape me. And watching that video and playback opened my eyes to, oof, that wasn't good. Or why was I standing like that, right? Because we are critical of ourselves. We can help ourselves get better. And that video and that audio is, it's a truth teller. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, one of the things we've talked a little bit about the, you know, coronavirus thing, and that obviously affects you directly from, you know, speaking in public. But I've really got to believe that, you know, most of what I do, and obviously a lot of what you do is, you know, virtual. Here we are doing a podcast right now, and we're not in the same space. That these skill sets have to be able to help in this new reality as well, being able to do things online. It's really about that confidence in messaging, that confidence in understanding the story that you're telling and that confidence and making sure that you're not afraid to have your voice heard, right? Absolutely. For all of our listeners, um, if they want to learn more about you and where they can see you speak and uh, how you might be able to help them, uh, where should they go? Sure. You can go to heathermonahan.com. That's my website. And I've got a free accountability partner program there. I've got a free ebook you can download. You can check out my podcast for free. It's called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan, And that is anywhere that you find podcasts. And I am on all social media at Heather Monahan. Well, I know for sure the first thing I'm going to do after this interview is I'm going to sign up and subscribe to your podcast. I've always enjoyed being able to speak with you from the first time uh, we met and spoke. And it's certainly been really uh, incredible watching your career progress and just the amount of uh, confidence that you're giving other people in the world as well. Thank you so much. So thank you to all of our listeners of Tiger Paw Radio. And until next time, I'm Wes McDonald. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.